As we begin to close out the end of the year, we're pulling state ballots from 1988, 2008, and 2018 to see how much has really changed in this state over the last 30 years. That's what's coming up in the final episode of the year on California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. What's up, guys? Good evening. Good evening. evening. Merry Christmas to all. Yeah, this is our last episode of the year. Yes, episode 29 we're going to be taking next week off to enjoy the christmas holiday with our families and Lu- louis said it hangover christmas christmas holiday. and and that's not to say that it's the best holiday and no other holidays exist but it is the holiday the three of us celebrate no doubt um hopefully everybody has an awesome holiday with whatever they celebrate um i'm really pumped for this episode we're it's doing cool. a uh, it's cool a 30 year in review uh, it's 2018 now. We're going to be reviewing the ballots from which year? 1988. And if we have time, we also have 1998. Before, but, before we get started, I forgot yeah. to mention it in our last episode. Yeah. But they have started to collect signatures to defund the, the bullet train. You're correct, sir. I saw that. It is big news. And I'm sure it was all over the uh, 6 o'clock news wherever you're at. Well, they have but, got a great point, right? Because one of their points was if we need so much money for the roads, exactly, then we should be working on the roads before we build a super train. That was the whole thing with the repeal, et cetera, is... It's the same people as the repeal, right? Oh, yeah. So... so <laughs> it's interesting enough, yeah. It, it, sorry, John. I mean, no, 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 it's okay. No. But so this must, be, this must have been their plan B, was to then we'll just go for the train, right? Because it's the same people that brought us the... Turn around the gas tax, and that didn't pass. I bet you that when they collect the signatures, it won't make the general election in 2020. I'm going to guess that's true. It's going to have to be postponed for some damn reason because they have found fraudulent voter uh, signatures. But it's true, and I think that's what everybody knew, was the gas tax is being used was being used to fund transportation efforts. Not to directly go towards those things that are affected by using gasoline, i.e., your cars. Right. So. Right. So, no, I thought that was interesting. That'll be something we're gonna have to follow in in the new year. Uh, but we start talking about ah, what are some good topics for this this last episode of the year? And John happened upon the 1988 ballot, and it's it's interesting to see yeah what still existed back then. So the whole premise uh, for this episode. You know, you get towards the end of a year on, I'm thinking Sports Center. you know, the top 10 plays of the year, all these years in review and, and political and newspapers, et cetera. I thought for this, it'd be cool. Let's not just review 2018. What if we reviewed what things were like politically and people were voting on in this state 30 years ago? So I was doing an internet search for just topics related for this podcast. And I stumbled across a PDF and this PDF was some, it was a primary voter guide federally, I think for 1988. And that sparked the idea. You know what? I wonder if someone has archived the California voter guide for 1988. And sure enough, 
We found it. Remember, 1998 was kind of new to the internet kind of thing. Well, again, though, this is 98 was. I and I have that one too. If we, and we probably will have some time after we've gone through some of the more interesting points of this one. But this one is 88. And Bobby, you're right. The 1998 voter guide that actually was at a website mm-hmm. that was that looked super. 1998, super like an old geo <laughs> oh, big time. Um, whereas this one, where I'm looking at the PDF of the 1988 California Voter Guide, it's a scan. There's like little things missing. You know, some someone came across the actual physical deal and PDF'd it. That's awesome. It is pretty cool. So I thought I'd start by just reading a couple of things that are were part of the voter guide before we even get to the props. The first one is a sentence, or actually a paragraph, from the Secretary of State that's like page two of the voter guide, right? They have a little, they address the voter. And here's a paragraph that's in it, and I thought this was cool because I'm not sure you see this. You would see this on the current voter guide. Many rights and responsibilities go along with citizenship. Whoa, 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 triggered me there. Yeah, boom, Mm -hmm. deal. Voting is one of the most important as it's the foundation on which our democratic system is built. Read carefully, carefully, all of the measures and information about them contained in this pamphlet. Legislative propositions and citizen-sponsored initiatives are designed specifically to give you, the electorate, the opportunity to influence the laws which regulate us all. It was just kind of a cool, you know, putting putting you in the right context of, look, what you're looking at, what you're dealing with, it's it's going to affect you, it's going to affect all of us. So be almost the sense that gave me of be careful what you decide to do with it. Right. And I just get much more of a flippant no, it's, vibe. It sounds great. It's absolutely right. You know, yeah. the, the the first thing that stands out to me yeah. reading this as opposed to what we see now is that they really don't have a summary page on like page three like we have now. That's right. Where they it's kind of like here's just the first two sentences, what it is and whether <laughs> that's right. what a yes does and what a no does. It's like they expect you to dive in and get into the details, right? How dare they? Which is the good thing we changed it. Which is interesting because this is way before the internet. Oh, it's way, not like oh, the information was that easy to obtain. Exactly, you couldn't just you know ballopedia it. You had to. You literally had to go off of this, right? Right. Or, um, or, or, or contact your contact member. Them, yeah, yeah, a member of the assembly, and go like, oh, what are they talking about? So that so the next kind of general thing I want to read is the back of the voter guide. They actually have what's called the political party statements of purpose, which is kind of cool. It's about a fifth of a page for each party. I'm going to focus on the Dem, Democratic and Republican parties, but they also had the American Independent Party, the Libertarian Party, and the Peace and Freedom Party. Now, I'll, I'll say up front, this is a scan, and so there's little chunks missing, and I'll do my best to kind of read around them, but I'll tell you when I'm kind of running into a prompt spot. But here we go. So this is 1988, the California Democratic Party, their statement of purpose. It even starts off, I can't quite see it all, but eight years of prosperity for the few and uncertainty for something. Um, Paid for by a staggering national debt. So I guess the 1988 Democratic Party cared about debt. That's interesting. By a staggering national debt, which threatens the, I think it's livelihood, of our children. Americans are seeking a new vision and a new direction. The California Democratic Party offers a program of growth and stability, peace and environmental safety, justice and equality. 
And it basically goes on to say, and here's the bulletized list of things they support. Quality education for all. Guys, how's that? That's nice. Great? So they basically run oh, the right. state for almost the 30 years. Uh-huh. Have they accomplished that? Quality? Mm. Quality education. Uh, we just did an all. episode on <laughs> the poor quality. So, so they've achieved Can education for all. Define quality for me, please. Exactly. You yeah. can't. That, that's, but that's the best part of it. That, that's it's exactly right. It's a qualitative right. word. That's right. And that is in their platform in 1988, quality education for all. Number two, equality of opportunity, regardless of race, age, sex, or wealth, so that each individual and each family, whoa, they're like assuming families, um, that's big stuff for 1988. May reach the limits of their potential. You know, it says opportunity, not outcome. That's right. They, they, so, so they're they're playing the right words. It went from yeah. Today's stance of equitable, totally, or equality of outcome, totally. Got it. A strong economy where American jobs are no longer exported to foreign countries where American workers can earn the wages necessary to support their families and where no one is among the homeless. <laughs> We're going to get to the homeless issue here in a little bit. Big fail on that, Mark. Yeah, I'd have to give that an F. But they're safe injection sites. So that's a uh, win. Hold on, hold on. Is that uh-huh. going to be one of these bullets coming? Uh, Actually, they had a, they So we got that going for us. They had the HIV portion of it in that's, this bill. That's very this, true. Yeah. That's very true. Uh, a society where health care for our citizens and especially our children and our elderly is an obligation we fully discharge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Balancing strong laws. Wh- strong wait, laws. Wait, wait, what? Not relaxing strong laws. Balancing strong laws to stop criminals and care for victims. <laughs> what is, <laughs> by by is getting this rid for, of bail. Yeah, right. Is this for real? <laughs> and getting rid of three strikes and letting I, people out early. I think they wrote that wrong. I think it was balancing strong laws to encourage criminals. Yeah, you're gonna love the last part. While ensuring privacy and individual rights, uh, what a departure! Oh my goodness, what what a difference thirty years make! And I think what uh, George Duke Medjian was the governor. That's right, the Republican time, right? governor. Republican. That's governor. right. So just to that's put right. the time and context. That's right. The state was uh, did have a Republican governor right. back then. And lastly, improved international relations and world peace. Of course. Okay. Hey, world peace. Nice. Lastly, and I'll try to get through this. Is that little- really in there? It oh, is in there. No, I'm, totally. I'm reading it right now. <laughs> oh, like, oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. What, what a cheesy... World peace. What are they running for Miss California? World peace. As written by Peter D. Kelly, state chair. Sure. There you go. Way Throw to go, Pete. There. Way to go, Pete. Okay. Well, the Republican Party. We'll try to get through this one a little quicker. For the past eight years, Republican principles and policies have been creating jobs, stimulating economic growth, and bringing prosperity to America. Again, because uh, everyone knows this, but the natural context... Ronald Reagan had just been president for eight years, right. so they're piggybacking off of the federal Here comes boom message. Bush Sr. Exactly. Yeah. Republicans believe in individual rights and in the duty of all citizens to assume the responsibilities of self-government. Well, in theory, Republicans should. That's been a departure over the last 30 years. Sure. Um, abbreviating, Republicans believe that American free enterprise and individual initiative have given greater prosperity for more people more fairly and more widely distributed than has any other economic system at any time anywhere. Agreed. See, Republicans believe in a strong defense to preserve freedom and to achieve peace through strength. Direct Reagan line. Right. We reject liberal isolationism and blame, blame America first pessimism. 
That's funny. An America first kind of messaging in there. Well, I'd say that's still their messaging now. No, true. We believe in the rights of crime victims as well as those of defendants and in punishment for heinous crimes and in judges who rule not according to their personal politics, but according to the law. So it's interesting. Neither party, I didn't, wouldn't wouldn't have expected it from the Republicans in 1988, but back to the point, both parties were very strong on laws, justice, yeah, departure. Well, you look at the Democratic Party of the past, and it wasn't as crazy as it is now. I mean, honestly, it, you, you, no, it, no question. The joke is always made like Kennedy to probably be closer to a Republican today than, than a Democrat, yeah, right? Big time. Um, the whole ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Like, we've seen a drastic change from that philosophy over the last, you know, 50 years, we'll just say. Um, and even in California, looking at that, that's not, I could get behind the Democrats of 1988. Like that's not a bad policy statement, but it's it's right. definitely not what we got going on today. No, not even close. It, it you could even probably say it's 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 a fairly conservative policy statement. Yeah, they they obviously as we've talked about, they're avoiding any sort of justice, criminal um, prosecution, right. all that. I'm messaging. sure if we looked at like thirty years even further, like from the fifties or something like that. The, the days of Kennedy, we'd we'd be shocked to see what it says here in in eighty eight. Right. Well, for sure. Uh, please continue. Don't. Okay. So, as you mentioned, there's really no summary of the propositions that are in here. Um, you basically have a contents page, and so we got a bunch of props, and um, yeah, let's talk about a couple of them. Give us give us the first one. So, unsurprisingly. <laughs> they wanted money for higher education back in 1988. Okay. So the first one is a Higher Education Facilities Bond Act of 1988. And I'll just try and I'll try and summarize these so we can kind of get into the the, the right. contrasting of where we are today. So this measure authorizes the state to sell 600 million in general obligation bonds. More bonds, yeah, baby. Uh, around mm-hmm. so this hasn't changed, right? In 30 years this is still the major MO. You got to think um, 600 million in bonds in 1988. Yeah. That's what well, we kind of did a, uh, we did off the air, we did an inflation calc. I think I want to say it comes out to almost two and a half times in today. Right, because uh, 200 roughly, million was four, four, 480. Something. Yeah. So two and a half times. So, so this bill was for today's dollars, roughly 1.1, 1.2 billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder you know, just what, throw, throw that around. I wonder what around. the interest rate was back then because... Oh, that's a great question because they actually go to... Um, <laughs> they want this for... Um, well, they, they talk about what the general obligation bonds are for. Oh, it says the interest rate of 7.5%. 7.5%, which actually, that's true. Towards the end of the 80s, rates had come off from their highs of the early 80s of, I don't know, 15 16%. But 7.5%, that's another aspect today that I... You know, it gets talked a lot about in the financial right. world in terms of um, municipal bonds. Some of these municipalities have really gotten away with, over the last decade, of being able to freely issue these bonds and only being on the hook for 1%, 2%. As interest rates start to creep up towards these sorts of marks like they were back in the late 80s, you're going to have to really think twice. You should think twice as a municipality if you want to offer these bonds at all. But. Well, even even when we talk about housing, people are ticky tack today over getting five and a quarter, five and a half. Right, right? they're going exactly. after these like tenths of a point. 
back in the eighties, you're getting home loans at like 14, 15%. <laughs> like, but at the same time, it's like what I've always been saying. It's, it's what your monthly bill is going to be. Right. That's what you're basing it on. So housing prices have to be lowered to reflect that. Right. That's mm-hmm. why they're, they're falling a little behind these days or, or properties aren't selling. Sorry. It's Continue. okay. No, that's okay. That's the point of this. I kind of that's where we go. Yeah. Big Talk. bond. Okay. So under the pro arguments for the bond, this is funny because we were, we were talking about this in episodes a few episodes ago. One of the pros of this um, proposition is that accommodate, it will accommodate increases in student enrollments. And underneath that headline, they say the state's population is increasing by approximately 600,000 new residents a year. Didn't we just talk about the fact that we've just gone through a couple of years of a net outflow? Right. People huh. leaving. Huh. People were flocking here. 600,000 new residents a year. Interesting. And they're saying that 150,000 new students enter the elementary and secondary schools each year. So obviously that's a big part of what they want this for. Adapting to new technology. Obviously it's 1988, right? Yeah. <laughs> the computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm scanning to see if there, I don't see the, uh, laboratories, um, research, et cetera. Strengthening the state's economy. is another big reason they wanted to vote for this. They want, they wanted someone to vote for it. Right. Um, obviously under the, uh, in the against section are all of the, the facts of, um, spending money, 600 million, We'll pay over 20 years, $480 million in interest. All these, you know, we went through this when we did the right. 2018 uh, ballots. But it's just kind of funny. That's what's kind a, of the highlights of... What's another one? We got, let's see, there's another school, Bond Act. There's a, this one might be interesting to go through, a pr- the Prison Construction Bond Act. So that hasn't, were we talking a couple we of episodes We went from about? wanting to build prisons to just emptying prisons. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Let them all loose. That's yeah. right. Who cares? Um, let me try to see if there's, yeah. Bond Act. Uh, classic. Prop 81 in 1988. And we're about to, we're going to go two back to back. The California Safe Drinking Water bond okay so water More water yeah i mean they didn't have safe drinking water back then well it could always be safer i suppose right so. that's the whole point of this they, they got all the lead out back then right <laughs> um 75 million in general obligation bonds for that one kind of on the small side i'd have to say right um and after that is prop 82 the water conservation bond Law More conserving water. But after that, they were done, right? That, yeah. Uh, okay. No. That fixed it? Well, then... That made more water appear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember where in 1988... I think that we were in a hiatus period between... And we reviewed this in a past podcast where Jerry Brown's dad did all of the water projects, right? To bring the aqueducts and the reservoirs. Right, right. And I think during this eight, the period of the 80s and the 90s, there was basically nothing in terms of new construction. And so I guess they were, um, uh, looks like these sorts of the Clean Water Act and Water Reclamation Bond Law of 1988, that was Prop 83. They wanted loans for water reclamation projects, grants for sewer plants. Uh, So they were basically just trying to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic for a water problem that was, for a water problem that was already, you can just tell by the number of, of water bonds 
But you know, from all those water bonds, we have good, structurally sound dams that won't crumble under pressure, right? <coughs> Orville. Uh, did you? Excuse you. Sorry. Sorry. It is Christmas time. Don't get a cold. Okay. Got a case of the Orville cough. Oh goodness gracious. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, we'll probably say this again by the time this episode is done, but by now, we seriously haven't even talked about a topic that isn't still a major issue today. But they solved it and, back in 88. Yeah. <laughs> I, obviously, we have to point out, you have to, the common denominator in all of this is government, right? In 1988, you did, like somebody mentioned, Governor Duke Majin. I would imagine, I don't know the breakdown in terms of congressional districts and how many were red versus blue. I'm going to imagine in 1988, there were more red districts than blue districts. Because you had Pete Wilson it, right after him. That's right. It was, um, it was Reagan territory. Remember, uh, Reagan's from here. That's right. So. In, in the 1984 election, it was a total sweep of the country except for um, D.C. Except for D.C., I think. Um. Yeah, I want to say Minnesota. Oh, that's win? right, because that's who the the vice presidential candidate was from. Yeah, uh, for the Democratic side, was from Minnesota. Um, so you had them trying to address these issues, and to be fair about it, right? It was still running through government think government approach. Right. It's not like it was uh, solved or close to being solved because the Republicans ran the state. The next one we solved, right? Uh, you mean Prop 84, the Housing and Homeless Bond Act of 1988? Dude, this one this one blew me away because in our election episode a month ago, mm. we talked about this proposition, right? This was the one we talked about, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah, basically... We spent the same exact money, apparently. <laughs> We're still talking about uh, the same exact propositions. It's like they copy and pasted the text. And change the numbers to reflect twenty eighteen dollars. So, so it makes you really wonder because you know you get these lifer politicians and bureaucrats in there, and they get this money right, and it's their little money, their nest egg. What do they do with it? It almost makes you feel like they just keep coming back for more money to keep up their same bureaucratic nonsense, and people still keep voting on it. Because it's heartstrings. It's heartstrings, right? Because who doesn't want to help the homeless? But the or money's the not going to help the homeless. That's like what you have to wrap your head around. You're being stolen from. Or the children, right? The, we, yeah. we, the, yeah. the, the first bonds we covered were the children, and then the it, children need all the it's money. It's clearly schools, not children. working. We're still going back time and time again to the taxpayer, putting your hand in their pocket, pickpocketing them, robbing them, to fix these problems that have existed for 30-plus years now. $300 million is what they were asking for in 1984 for that bill. Which we're looking, we'll, we'll ballpark over $500 million Oh, that's Adjusted right. for yeah. inflation. That's right. So we're, we're at you know, half a billion dollars. At 7.5%. At 7.5% for the homeless. And then I forget what they were asking for in the bonds from this year. Uh, it it oh, was geez. it was in the bill uh, like low one something billion. So yeah. so they're coming back for twice as much thirty years later. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> What's the definition of insanity? Right. Well, absolutely. But it just goes to show you this money doesn't solve the problem because we can probably, you know, I I don't have any numbers on this, but just based anecdotally, the problem's gotten worse. 
it's not like the problems even stayed the same and the money has helped at least keep it at this even line. The problem just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so clearly throwing more money at it isn't the answer. Right? I mean... Yeah, and actually, to that point, I'm reading here in the rebuttal to the to the Prop 84, to this um, housing and homeless bond. They're saying... This paragraph says, in June of this year, voters approved $1.7 billion in bonds. This ballot pr- proposes $3.3 billion. These bonds are paid off in 20 years. We'll have a bond, bonded indebtedness of $100 billion and annual payments of nine. And you know what? I think that's really close to the number that we were looking at in terms of when we, when we laid out exactly the current state of California's bond issuances and how many they have on deck. The, the number of $100 billion comes to mind. You know, that's exactly where this headed. And they knew it back in 1988 that this was going to be the trajectory of all this stuff. But people are so worried about now, they don't see what this long-term bond debt gets you. They don't, they didn't care. So I'm on Ballotopia right now. I'm looking at the results. Yeah. Yeah. And nearly everything passed that we're talking about here today. See, and that's... That's where, you know, it gets hard to just hammer one party, right? Oh, no, I think it's it's bipartisan destruction of the state. I think this is a good starting point of where it all started going wrong. Because obviously, you had Republicans in power, and then here come all these bond measurements, and we're trying to do good. That's the crux of it all, trying to do good. And you know what just struck me, and and we're probably going to have time and we'll get to 1998, which is a different story because 1988 was obviously a decade before, what do you want to call it, the the heroin that was the dot-com revenue for the state of California. Right. So they're still doing all these bond issuances like we're talking about here. People see the impending disaster that's coming. Um, but they're still willing to go ahead with it even before they have all this artificially heightened revenue right. from an economy. I mean, granted, the California economy during this period it was it was still a huge economy relative in, in the country. And, well, and they had they had house uh, population continued going up at more than half a million a year, right? So they still had new money coming in. They could churn it theoretically, even if people left, they had new money coming in. It was a good time, right? I mean, you could spend a bunch of money because you didn't worry about people leaving. But now the problem is we're still looking for these same handouts from the taxpayer, but people are now leaving. We don't have a positive influx of residents. And like we talked about in the last episode, 60,000 some odd households really pay the majority of the state tax. We'll make it up with uh, illegal immigrants. (laughs) Yeah, we'll make it up with more people who don't pay tax. You know, so I, I I thought it was just ironic that we are voting on the same things over and over, and it's getting us nowhere. In fact, the issues just keep getting worse. Yeah, this says the Bond Act will do a lot of good. Good. For many in need of emergency shelter. What does that even mean? Yeah. What is a That's lot of fantastic. good? Um, it's going to be It's a secure place. Um, and the chance to stop the humiliation of living on the street to seek out new or improved employment. Man, we need to be on the street with that one. 
We what? need to be able to go like, did you know we solved the homeless problem? That, that's years exactly ago? right. You read this, right? And this boy, what a reminder this stuff is. You read this and it's the verbiage of of a definite solution to a problem. Just because it's in print and just because a politician says it doesn't mean anything. This made this verbiage made it into the ballot. In ter- well, it was an argument in favor of the prop. But nonetheless, people are reading this. People are influenced and swayed by it. What a joke. To your point, we aren't any cl- we're farther away from solving homelessness. I'd say it's worse now. Yeah. Well, that's what I was talking about. It, the problem hasn't just, it hasn't like stayed the same. It's gotten worse. Like I could see if we kept every 30 years, we pumped 500 million into it and kind of kept it at, at this, <laughs> right. yeah. this median right. line. That's right. But it's on the decline in terms of, uh, you know, or I guess on the increase, you would say it's probably an easier way to articulate it. We, we have more homeless people now. Sure. We at, have 10 at, cities now. Right. At a greater rate. I feel like it's it's increasing at a greater rate than it ever has. Like the span between 1988 and 2018, it's going up a lot faster between 2018 and 2019. You know what the real difference between the homelessness back then in 1998 and now? Mm. Hepatitis. That's the real difference. You mean it's just spread a disease? That's right. We didn't have this problem because we didn't have the major issues that are plaguing now, you know, we're, we're accommodating the homeless situation because that's what it is. And we, we don't want to be the bad guys by trying to actually fix the problem that we let it get so dirty and ugly and bad that we're actually having to have a real biological problem. Well, because now it becomes a, a community health problem. That's right. What else is on that ballot? I was just going to read the final, um, the final paragraph from this homeless bond act because it kind of summarizes what we we're just talking about. It's again the argument in favor of the prop. Here's how it ends: Help bring the homeless inside. Help restore their sense of community and family. Help break the cycle of hopelessness that threatens so many Californians. Did it pass, Bobby? You said it did. It did. Cycle broken. Justice has been restored. Didn't do a damn thing. Okay. You know, as you scan the rest of the ballot, um, lots of legislative amendments, constitutional amendments. Any Bobby, any of these that look um, on the interesting side to you? Those, those bond ones were the most. Yeah, I got to look at I got to reread this Proposition 88. Public monies can be deposited in any federally insured industrial loan company in the state. I think that's what, I don't know what they're talking about. I have to really read into that. Is it the whole savings and loan when we changed back then? That was, um, yeah, that was 87, 86, 87. So yeah, this would have been yeah. addressing some of that. I got to really read that. This just seems, just seems interesting. Money, 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 money. Um, what else is in there? Justice courts are courts of record. Eligibility requirements for justices on court ju- for court judges. It just seems just like judge stuff. Just judge stuff. Yeah. John, take a second to explain. I, I think we you know, we talk about bonds a lot, but yeah. I don't know if people actually know what a bond is. I think they just think it's money. Yeah. Okay. So 
and the muni space gets a little more nuanced and maybe we'll go into that a tad but so when a, when a we'll just use this example of a state cuz corporations issue bonds too but let's go into the example of a state so the state says i need money for something um in this case let's use the what we were just talking about the homeless right uh, shelter so we need you californians to agree to allow us to uh, borrow money. We're basically, we need to borrow, in this case, $300 million. And we're promising to pay it back using the taxing authority that we have and the revenues that we're getting from taxes. And that's a big one when it comes to muni bonds in California. And that's what they call general obligation bonds. And so you're basically saying we, California, are the taxing authority. And so we can, in order to pay the bond payments that we're going to owe semi-annually, annually, we're going to owe... Uh, Who do they owe? Yeah. So since they're borrowing, uh, they're borrowing this $300 million, they're going to owe it back. Um, I guess it depends on however they structured... The, the the loan and who they were getting the money from, who was willing to lend it to them, and this is a key part, who was willing to lend it to them based on the state's creditworthiness and promised to pay it back. So, so when they say our bond rating goes down or credit that's right. rating, it's just like if you're a private citizen, you could look at it as your credit score. That's right. You get better rates. More people are willing to lend to you. You have more trustworthiness. The higher your score, let's take a let's take a really stark example um, in corporate America. Okay, let's take Microsoft. Microsoft wants to borrow a hundred million dollars. Let's okay. say Microsoft is a multi tens, hundreds of billions of dollar company, right? So they want to borrow what did I say, a hundred million dollars, right? Versus you, Louis, saying, okay, I'm going to start Louis Corp. And let's say like you could convince someone to lend you a hundred million. Yes. Okay. You're you're stoked. Well, the person who's willing to let's say this one person who's willing to lend Microsoft a hundred million and you a hundred million, they're gonna look at Microsoft and say, Okay, I'm pretty sure given Microsoft's revenues, given their assets. That's right. Uh, the, the the trademarks they own, the software, intellectual property they have, all that, a hundred million they're good for that. So I, I'm only going to be able to get away with charging them an interest rate that's barely above bank rates, right? Because it's really low risk. The chance that Microsoft won't be able to pay me back is super low. Right. Louis Corp, on the other hand, new company. Shady. Yeah. Shifty characters. <laughs> startup. We can't even find, you know... Maybe he's filed with California to start a business. Maybe right. not. I don't know. I don't really think Louis is going to be able to pay me back. So in order to compensate me for that risk I'm taking on, that Louis might not be able to pay me back, Louis is going to have to pay me a 20% interest rate. Dang. Yeah. Sucka. And so basically what I did in a roundabout way is I gave both, I, the lender, gave both Microsoft and Louis different credit ratings. Right? Microsoft probably triple A. Louis, definitely not AAA. <laughs> right. And so that's where you run into these, when we talk about the interest rates of these bonds, 
for California when they borrow the money, so much of it depends on the lender's trust that Microsoft, that California will be able to pay that bond, those payments from that bond back. The debt service. And this is where you get into a really tricky territory, especially nowadays. It wasn't so much in 1988, but it absolutely is today, is all of these other obligations that California has when it comes to pensions, especially. So it's kind of this dance that a lot of people think California is doing because you're supposed to, in theory, the bond payment and the interest rate that California has to pay on their bonds should be reflecting the actual total risk of California's ability to pay back the money. Right. And when you look at the pension obligations that California has going out over the next well, 10 to 20 right. years. Well, not only that, but you know, people talk about maybe PERS going bankrupt, all this stuff. You're, you're seeing an example of a, of a general obligation the state's got. Yes. That they're threatening to not be able to pay. Yes. So yes. if I'm a lender, yes. there's an example of a liability you're willing to default on. Or Ex- you're... you're, you're you're knocking at that door or saying this might occur. So why would you be able to pay your other obligations? Which is why you have a growing group of people really wondering why California has the municipal bond rating that it does, the credit risk rating that it does. Which I'm I think one of is, those people. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which I think is, it would be like if you were telling your home lender, you know what? I might not be able to make my house payment. And you've been touting that for a year to your lender. At the same time, you're going out and buying a new car. You're expecting to get a great rate on That's buying right. that car because of your trustworthiness. But out of the other side of your mouth, you're telling another liability you've got, your home lender, that you might not be able to make your house payment. And I think one, we talked about this in a podcast a long time ago. I think in one last wrinkle that's maybe not done cropping up for California, depending on how far people want to press it when it comes to California bonds. How can you simultaneously, if you're California, how can you simultaneously argue we have a massive global warming problem? Global warming is going to cause sea levels to rise and that's going to impact the economies, people, etc. around the country. Okay. Yet when it comes time to issue your bonds, there's no risk to any of that. And so there's no risk because we want a super low interest rate to pay our bonds back. Right. Uh Well, didn't you just get through telling me that our state is in impending peril because of global warming, which carries with it a lot of inherent risks, which if true, I don't believe so, but if true, directly impacts the interest rate that you owe on your bonds because businesses are going to be underwater. People are going to die. Your <laughs> taxing earthquake. Ab- yeah. Your taxing ability goes down because there's less people to tax because they're swimming in the ocean. You can't sell both yeah, stories. Um, Do you think the reason why the bond rating hasn't changed so much is because they haven't missed a payment yet? Or people, or, or, or does the lender just, I, I want to say the, it's the because game. we have the tech industry. In California, the source of revenue, if you will, we can and the 
always there present that we could get bailed out at any given time from the federal government. I think all that's true. I I also think, um, not to go down the rabbit hole of 2008, 2009, but, you know, people have seen the big short, you know, read, read books, articles right. about it. Don't forget these credit rating agencies, Moody's and S&P, had a ton of those bonds rated AAA heading into 2008. So the incentives and... It, it, it's not. It's not like it's a clean cut. Uh, they are choir people uh, doing these ratings. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know? <laughs> so yes, it's a it's a rating that gets used often and a lot in the industry. At the same time, the market has a way of of pushing rates up or down uh, depending on right. its assessment. Right. Right. And once information is fully known. I don't know, frankly. It is a head scratcher. California's bonds and their rates, and it's it's it strikes me as one of those things. There's a lot of gasoline on the floor. One of these days, there'll be an event or something from another country that is like an aha moment in terms of um, sovereign debt, and and someone will make a connection and start to see one little chink in the armor in California, and the whole thing will rapidly go downhill. But we'll see. We'll That's see. just my opinion. Shall we swing into a decade further? 1998. 98. 1998. So we'll kind of do a couple of things similar. In terms of the intro page from the Secretary of State, um, one paragraph that was not there in 1988. Said, sorry, that was right. Thank you. That was not there in 1988, but is there in 1998? Quote, we've expanded our internet site to provide you with as much information as you need and more. Sweet. <laughs> Can everyone hear the AOL dial-up sound? Mom, get off the phone. I'm on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you just disconnected me, Mom. Okay. So there's a couple of... Uh, I, I was going to go here and find um, uh, the, the political statements just to see and do a quick scan and update if they had massively changed or not. I just want to, um, before while you were looking at no, that... No, please. Um, this is when I first started getting into politics back in 90. I actually had a job with a, with a consultant and this is when I started knocking on doors for measures. This was just a job for me when I was a kid and, uh, it, it made me money, but let's play a game and see which one of these measures that I was actually working on. And you, is there a way we would know or is no, it just no, a it's shot completely random. Uh, but if you know me well enough. You'd be like, yeah, that's probably you. Well, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. there would be a clue. Oh yeah, because okay. it's hilarious. Is it a is it a dreamers thing? <laughs> Not a dreamers <laughs> thing. Okay, so I'll just touch on. Uh, I'm going to do the Democratic Party first. Their political party statements of purpose, and I'll highlight the ones that are distinctly different and or added to from 1988. So this is just one decade later, right? Obviously, you know, they they're, they're touting how good the economy in California has been, etc. Because again, don't forget. Dot com for the last two, three years has just been Booming. ripping. Um, so what they want to do is they want to, um, they want more cops on the beat and assault weapons off the street. Ooh, that has a nice, yeah, nice, yeah. Little, nice little ring right. to it. They went to the consultant on that one. Bring people together. Hate and discrimination don't create jobs or educate children. They distinctly have defending women's right to choose in the platform now. Uh, and lastly, this is a big one. 
I don't remember seeing this anywhere in the previous one. Protect our coastline and our environment. So they start getting Wait, an right. environmental policy. That, that was always there. I don't remember environment in 1988. Oh, oh in the right, right. It's a whole bunch of horse manure around here. Yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of interesting. So you start seeing them start weighing in on values. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, or the, the values we kind of know today. <clears throat> okay. So for Republicans, lower taxes for working families, continued economic prosperity, world-class schools, even, you know, I'll give it to the Democrats, at least agree or it's, not. They got to some specific issues and threw it out there as to what they wanted. This right. is all pine. You, know, you threw in world-class schools, and it sounds like they're starting to adopt the Democrat platform from a decade ago. Oh, interesting. They're starting to... And like like we were earlier on, we were saying, yeah, we could see how all that fits in today, where the Republican platform today mirrors that of the Democrat platform of 1988. Yeah, they're, they've been adopting it ever since. Besides schools, what else is in there that mirrors it? Uh, in the in the Republican one, yeah. Hold on, let me go back one second. Let's see if there is any other similarities. Didn't mean to throw you off here. No, no, that's okay. It's okay. I'm almost, uh, here we go. So they've expanded uh, world-class schools. Uh, they're touting smaller class sizes like the, like the Democrats were in this one. Lower taxes, IRS reform. That's, it's new, but that's not similar to right. the Democrats. Um, a little bit in there, lower taxes for working families. So they're starting to take... The working class. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um they want to ensure that every California has the opportunity to succeed. Yeah. I'm not saying... That was like that opportunity bit from 88. Right, right. That's true. It's really a... Um, in many ways, it's kind, it's, of kind of, it's kind of a shorter, truncated... It's like you can almost see the apathy starting to build, <laughs> right? In this platform versus the 88 platform. I mean, in 88, you know, Duke Majin... Ronald Reagan was president. And now we're going to have a, another Republican president. Um, yeah, you can almost feel it kind of shift. So to that point, in terms of candidates. Well, 98 was coming to the end of Pete Wilson. Exactly. Which. Into Gray Davis. You kind of gave me the lead in. Because in this, unlike 1988, we see candidate statements. And we actually get into Senator Barbara Boxer, we have her in the past, uh, quote, as your senator, I stand up every day to put our children and families first. Mm -hmm. But to your point, Louie, I think one of the more interesting ones will be the Governor Gray Davis personal statement. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, was this when he was, he was running for, uh, he wasn't running for re-election. This was him. this is the first one. Because Pete Wilson went to 99. Okay, there you go. January, January, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Gray Davis then won this election, and uh, let's give a couple of little little nuggets from his uh, candidate statement. I offer experience that will move us forward. Well, okay. <laughs> I've been proud to serve you as acting governor, lieutenant governor, state controller, blah blah blah. As governor, my top priority will be to dramatically improve our public schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that happened. And uh, give a bunch of sweet incentives to uh, 
Calsters. Okay. I'll take a high expectation approach to learning by raising standards. Oh, of course, right. Did he say taxes? Uh, something like that. Oh, okay. I have all oh, oh this is this is interesting, see. I have always been for the death penalty and am proud that I've won the endorsement of almost every law enforcement group in California. Unions. Yeah. Uh stand up to the tobacco industry, preserve our environment by stopping offshore drilling. How's that going on? Uh-huh. I'll continue to fight to protect a woman's right to choose and take the insurance companies and HMO bureaucrats to make sure you get the doctor of your choice. Get to keep your doctors. And the care that you deserve. Together we'll get California moving again. I didn't see anything in here about pension deals or, you know. No, and then he was recalled in 2003, November of 03. Why now why was he recalled? <laughs> Can you refresh my memory? Because <laughs> he failed Plinko. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting, too, is, and this makes sense, running at the same time was, remember Cruz Bustamante? Bustamante. Yeah. Was running for lieutenant governor. He obviously won because that was the recall. Vote no on the recall, yes on Cruz. Right. Classic. And then we get stuck with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like, that's what we went, <laughs> yeah. we went from Gary Davis to... Big, Arnold. big improvement. Okay. So. Who who ran against? It was Tim Leslie. Wait, wait, hold on. Because, against uh, against Wilson great. Wilson t- uh, turned out. Oh, um, no, I'm sorry. That was for Lieutenant Governor. Right. No, you're right. So uh, Dan Lundgren. Here we, okay. I, if you don't mind, I'm going to do the yeah. same. I'm kind of curious what he. Uh, he was AG. I have fought for you. Okay. As governor, I will appoint common sense judges. Again, drive a Mack okay. truck through the words right. common sense. I will fight for top to bottom education reform. Everyone's on education. I mean, and luckily they were because they've hammered it. You know, we are good now, 20 years later. I will fight uh, top to bottom education, good teachers, competency tests. We will boost our community colleges, which already provide the best dollar for dollar education in America. As our economy prospers, I will fight to lower the amount of taxes the state government takes from your wallet. We have done much to restore the optimism that defines California's heritage, but we can do so much more. So much more. Together, we will. Dan Lundgren. California together. Okay. So, let's look at a couple of these amendments here. Uh, This is a big shocker. Prop two that year was transportation funding. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Well, it's never come up before. Here we go. You ready for this? Yeah. This is going to be a gem. So this is, this is from the actual uh, analysis. So this isn't like a uh, argument in favor or against. State funds for transportation programs are derived from three major sources. A gas tax. Are you ready for this number? Currently at 18 cents a gallon. Jeez. Back then. (laughs) In 1998. (laughs) Um, Motor vehicle. um, uh, What is it? Registrations. uh, Vehicle registration fees. Driver's license fees. Vehicle licensing fee. That's right. Um, So what are they proposing? They are proposing... uh, I'm actually... I wanted to say there was some sort of... Uh, oh, imp- okay. Proposition 2 will... Uh, it, it's all about protecting the transportation funds. 
on this one. <laughs> to so, prevent them from being raided? <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> it's just, it's, My God. Copy, paste, 20 years later. Prop 2 is your, is your opportunity to protect California's highways and public transit systems. Now, this is the argument in favor. This is the verbiage. When the peoples voted earlier in the decade to provide additional fuel tax money for transportation, <laughs> you go, you're going to make it. Voters were told the funds would be earmarked in the state constitution for the maintenance and construction of roads and public transit systems. Unfortunately, in recent years, elected officials and bureaucrats have found ways to siphon more than a billion dollars of these funds into other government programs. This prop will stop that. Dude, if you don't wake up today, <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. It's it's almost a re, it's a total rehash of what we voted on this year. Or was it that the at the primaries, right? Hey man, this thing passed. <laughs> this thing passed. <sighs> trying to find the uh, and we're still arguing over it. An argument against was not submitted. They just mm. didn't even bother. Mm-hmm. Because they don't care. It doesn't matter. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter. Because here we are in 2018 rehashing the same protect the gas money. Why would we want to do that? <laughs> I thought it was protected to begin with. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I see how we had a Proposition 1A bond. And it wasn't on the pamphlet. Okay, where do you, where do you see it? Oh, I'm oh, looking oh, at oh, oh, I see. I see. Uh, Balatopia. Okay. And it was a bond issue for education again for $9.2 billion. Dude. This is what we keep doing. This is sad. I really, I'm really dying not to like swear or just laugh my ass off. It's just, it's just repetitive. I'm trying to go to prop. Uh, prop 10 is the state and county early childhood development programs. With an additional tobacco surtax. More tax. Well, right. But again, 20 years ago, they're targeting helping you know, uh, early childhood development. Well, 20 years, we've definitely seen the fruits of that effort. Right? Well, what's funny is uh, Gray Davis ran on an anti-cigarette motto. Did he? When you read the deal, that he was wow. against the tobacco stuff. <sighs> so, I mean, at least fits the... The mold. But you can see the changing. Oh, yeah, totally. Waves of change. No, that's right. You know, it's funny because as you, re- like, I'm, I'm reading from the argument in favor of this Prop 10, this um, early childhood development. Prop 10 will provide comprehensive integrated services for preschool children, including child immunization, vision and hearing tests, prenatal and postnatal maternal and infant nutrition services, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting about this to me granted it may have something to do with specifically some of these random ones that we've picked from the ballots. However, the mentality seems to have definitely shifted from 1988 to 1998. That, that prop verbiage right there, both are bonds. Oh, I'm sorry. Both, both taxes, bonds, both are money grabs from citizens' pockets. But the other one, think about 1988. And we can argue about how much the bonds were, et cetera. But water... Um, general education. Again, we can argue if this how much the state should be responsible right. or not. This sort of verbiage on this Prop Ten in 1998, it is definitely now crossing way much more into nanny state. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. What they're going to support, what they're going to do with the money that they get right. from the tobacco right. tax. This isn't like base level stuff of water. And they're now starting to take tax money and target specific demographics. Here comes a blast from the past. Proposition yeah. three, partisan presidential primary elections, Boy. a.k.a. top two, changes existing open primary law to require required closed partisan primaries for purposes of selecting delegates to presidential nomination conventions and national political parties. So that's also, you know, getting rid of the, you know, the D and the R kind of thing. Oops. It'd be interesting to start seeing how the shift goes from then on, right? Like how the state tar- the state colors start transforming in the districts. But yeah, I could say, like, I keep going back and go, you can see how it's transformed from 88 to 98. Right. And we're going like, well, Drastic what's going on from here? Yeah, what's going on here? 2018. We won't go into the details, but Prop 9, electric utilities, more back in 98, more issues trying to protect consumers or trying to, you know, supposedly trying to freeze rates that utilities can charge. Granted, back then, it probably the impetus probably wasn't fires, but... right. Same issues, same challenges in terms of what the insurance company or the electric companies can charge and then the government trying to come in and Right. Well and you had you had a few major earthquakes in that time period. When when was uh that's right, Northridge was four years prior. Northridge was ninety four. Yeah. Um you had Landers Quake a couple years before that. Uh Loma Prieta was between you know was between uh 19 or 1988 or right around there to 1998. It was in that time gap, I believe. So we did have some disasters and things. Anything else interesting from that? Proposition five was uh, set out to the conditions for Indian tribal gaming. So all those uh, gambling junkets started up uh, here and now in 1998. Yeah. And they're still here. Yeah. <laughs> and flourishing. They've, and they've improved their uh, localities, right? Every single place. Oh, expanded. Oh, yeah. Massive. Yeah. Anything else interesting from that ballot? I'll let you know where I was doing my... Oh, uh, oh what was that? Uh, so the one thing that we didn't talk about, which was uh, Proposition 6, is what I was helping out with, which prohibits human consumption of horses. <laughs> All right. So I was helping out the horsies. I like that we had a proposition to not eat horses. Exactly. Because we needed it, apparently. Uh, it was very interesting when I um, when I started at, at that consulting agency. Um, basically, you know, we don't really have a market here for horse consumption. Like, well, we not anymore. We, you killed it. Well, not anymore. I'm part of it. But no, really, nobody was eating horses before then. But in the reality of it is was all the... Um, horse racing you would uh you would run these horses until they couldn't run anymore and then you would eat them well yeah we'd we'd kill them and then ship them to places where they did eat them oh gotcha yeah um but luckily the trend is now to just sell them off to mexico where they kill them and and then they sell them out to wherever they eat horses so that's a there you go. It's a downer. Well, that's how that's how they got around it. That's just exactly what they did. Anything else, John? Save us from the horse meat. 
That's it, huh? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, as you can see, not much has changed between 1988, 1998, and 2018. Except for maybe the party platforms. The it's party platforms transformed between uh, could, 88 and 98. That was interesting. You could almost just watch the slow shift. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the same ballot measures. Yeah. Which I, was, is I was checking out the, uh, the Christmas ornament you have over there. Yeah. You want to share what, what you got? The Make America Great Again hat. That's right. <laughs> Gifted to me by my sister. Awesome. It's good quality. Yeah. Anything else? Do we have a tweet today or is this just a... I think I got, got one? one. I think I got one. All it's right. kind of funny. Hold on. Here we go. So apparently <laughs> there was a video I recorded back, obviously, at the election of Macron. And it says, here's why Obama thinks Macron should be France's next president. And we won't play the video, but actually, I guess we could with the audio. But James Woods, his reply, well, that's aging well. Actually, if you, I kind of want to hear it now. Yeah, bring it on. I didn't play it. So, so here's a, apparently this is a video of Obama supporting why Macron should be France's next president. I'm not planning to get involved in many elections now that I don't have to run for office again. But the French election is very important to the future of France and the values that we care so much about. Because of how important this election is, I also want you to know that I am supporting Emmanuel Macron to lead you forward. He appeals to people's hopes and not their fears. I know that you face many challenges, and I want all of my friends in France to know how much I am rooting for your success. On Marsh. Vive la France. Oh, my God. Dude, that's all it takes. You just got to appeal to hope. <laughs> appeal to hope and everything else will solve you know, itself. He, uh, the, President Obama didn't have a very good record of getting candidates elected. He didn't have a very good record, but keep going. But here we go. He finally got somebody elected. <laughs> and they're I almost put, feel like we should apologize to the French people. I mean, they're putting out like a guillotine uh, out <laughs> in the Paris Square. Yeah, uh, President Obama backed the wrong person. And you know, they really fear-mongered Le Pen over oh, big, there. Oh, big time. They're like, oh, this is the female version of Donald Trump. Well, not oh, such a bad thing. There you go. You got uh, You got what you asked for. And on that note, thanks everybody for listening to us. We're over like 4,000 um, plays, and I never thought we'd get that much traffic nice. between oh, iTunes, nice. um, Podbean, and Google. Episode 29, 29 episodes this year. Next year will be a full year. Hopefully we have a, a better 19 than a better 18. 18 went pretty good at the federal level. In California? Same, same California I mean, as ever. We just spend a whole episode telling you how it's been downhill the whole time. I know. And, and we shall start the new chapter with Gavin Newsom. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy holidays. Burn it all down.